Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, Every single week, we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high-performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
my friends, it's Brendan Burchard, and welcome to a best of edition of The Brendan Show. These best of episodes feature training that I have done live, sometimes online to tens of thousands of people, or live on stage where I was speaking on some stages across the world. Or these might be some of my monthly training programs and highlights of those that I do every single month with our monthly students. So I know you're gonna really enjoy these because these are a little bit more of a, a deep dive look at some of my training. As a personal and professional development trainer, you know, I focus so much on helping you find that deeper level of motivation and start practicing some of those high performance habits. Well, you hear me talk about many of those concepts in these special episodes here. These are my best of trainings only and exclusively right here on The Brendan Show. So I hope you enjoyed them. Please know that as you hear me speak in many of these, you'll hear me reference something because sometimes I'll have been training live or on video or on stage or through a broadcast. So you might not be able to see something I'm suggesting or motioning to or maybe even drawing out on a, on a flip chart or motioning towards on a presentation, but you'll get the gist of it. So make sure you bust out your journal, take some good notes here because this is really valuable insights on the mindset or the strategies that you need to adopt in order to improve your life. And if you want to go and get more content like this, but much more deeper and have more of an interactive relationship with me in this type of training, make sure you join our high performance monthly training program. That's our monthly subscription program where I go live with you and our uh, high performance students every single month. And I train on a new topic or a new piece of research that we've created from the High Performance Institute. And I train on that. And then I do Q&A and actual live coaching and interactive coaching with people every single month. That's called High Performance Monthly. And you can access it at brendan.com forward slash monthly. That's brendan.com forward slash monthly. B-R-E-N-D-O-N.com forward slash monthly to get deeper dive training similar to this. So if you like this, you would love that training program. But without further ado, let's jump in right now to one of the Brendan Show's best of trainings. Hey everybody, it's Brendan Burchard. Welcome to your monthly training and we are live. I've got 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here in Portland, Oregon. I'm excited to have you here. And today, we have a full high performance training for you. I'm gonna share some success strategies with you. I'm gonna share some simple tools and techniques you can do to improve your life. I've got a full hot sheet of agenda items here. It's green, so you know it's serious. And I'm wearing my picnic table shirt. So if you like that, you know it's gonna be a good day. We're gonna talk about how do you overcome procrastination with one simple technique if you will implement it, it will help you overcome procrastination. You'll never go to bed going, ah, I didn't do something I was supposed to do today. We will talk about how I read books and some of the notes that I take and how I absorb the material uh, so quickly and so in depth. We'll talk about how and when to use negative motivation, which you should sometimes. We'll talk about how do you deal with doubters and complainers. We had a lot of people asking from uh, my recent Oprah course to that live webcast, people saying, how do you deal with uh, someone who doubts you, complains, 
has negative energy, um, is not supportive of you. If you're experiencing that in some way, uh, your family, your friends, your peer set, we'll talk about how to deal with that. And we'll talk about, finally, number five, how do you improve your mood? You know, a lot of people think it's a big complex thing or they go to Starbucks for that, but you don't need that. What you need is a new set of practices that you can instantly put into play that will help you feel better. And what more important could you do this year than master your own mood? You know, a lot of people think that their moods are just things that strike them down randomly, but usually your mood is actually a collection of things that have been building a momentum towards that mood. So if we can control what's building momentum, we can enhance the mood. And we'll talk about how to do that too. Here we go, number one, techniques for overcoming procrastination. How big is this one right now? This time, a lot of people are really struggling. You, you had a big New Year's resolution, and all of a sudden, you're kind of getting back into the swing of things. You're back at work, you're back running your business, that you gotta get the kids to school, and suddenly, you might be struggling. And struggling not just like in terms of um, getting things done, we'll talk about procrastination, you might be struggling with your mood. That post-holiday, post-New Year high, might be gone or you're back into the obligations of life and that might be really strenuous on you. So this is gonna be a great webcast. My very first thing I wanna teach you about is oh, in overcoming procrastination is what I call pre-event procrastination busting. Here's what it means. It means that if you're ever going to overcome procrastination, you actually have to schedule it. But that's a problem, right? Because you, part of procrastination is you, you're not doing it because maybe you're fearful, you don't really wanna do it, you sense it'll bring difficulty, hardship, failure, embarrassment into your life. There's something about the, re, there's something about the thing that you're not doing because you don't feel like the payoff will be immediate enough or high enough. And that's why you're not doing what you should be doing. It's lack of a connection with the payoff. Right? Because if you believe there was a payoff, you would do it. If you believe there's a payoff right away, you would do it. But you're not doing it because you don't believe that the payoff is there. So let's just intellectually, philosophically talk about this before we get into practice. The philosophy is if there is something that you are procrastinating on, it's time to examine that emotionally. Why is it you keep avoiding doing that? Is it bringing some sense of hardship, struggle, fear, concern in? If so, why? What is that? Also, have you identified the payoff? A lot of people procrastinate because they don't know why they should be doing something. They're not really attached to it. They haven't got excited about it. They haven't emotionally integrated the awesomeness of doing that thing. So they're putting it off because they can. There's no consequence to putting it off. So you'll see in procrastination um, work, there's a lot of things about saying, well, set up an earlier payoff. That's a great idea. Set up a consequence if you don't do it. We'll talk about negative motivation today. That's a great idea. And yet, people keep procrastinating. So those are not enough. Those are great pieces of advice I recommend that you do, but they're not enough. To go to another level, the way to overcome procrastination is to schedule time to overcome procrastination. But people say, but Brendan, that's part of the problem. And I said, I know, but it's the way that you're thinking about scheduling time. 
the way I want you to think about procrastination from now on is to know that you have a safety period of time each day, that that is when you are going to deal with procrastination. Here's what I mean by that. I call it the pre-event procrastination practice. Here's what I do. I do a 30-minute sort of uh, thunder time, if you will. These are really bad names and labels today. <laughs> this, this is what happens when you don't think of, what do you call that thing that you do? I mean, what, what is it, that thing that I do? Here's what I do. Before every meal, before every meal, for me, I like to choose dinner especially. That that is my, before every meal, before every dinner, I take a 30-minute segment of time, and that 30 minutes is where I purposely go in and do the things I procrastinate against. So for example, let's take tonight. Let's say if I'm gonna eat dinner at six o'clock. At 5.30, either as the dinner is heating up in the oven or before we go out to dinner, 30 minutes in advance of a meal or the preparation of a meal, I go, oh, that's my pre-event time. So the event is dinner. And I just block, there's 30 minutes of my time. So before I cook dinner, I better get this done. See, scheduling, it's, it's difficult to do unless you bounce it up against something that already exists. It's called the piggyback time management program, right? So you figure out something you're already gonna do, and right before you do it, before you're able to do it, that's your time to overcome procrastination. So here's my technique. Pick something that you do every day anyway. This can be before you eat a meal, before you watch television, before you go to bed, before you brush your teeth, and take 30 minutes, and that 30 minutes is dedicated towards doing something that you've been procrastinating on. You're gonna write that article, but you didn't get it today? Okay, before you brush your teeth, 30 minutes, go. Here's the thing though, it has to be the same event every day. So for me, Every day before dinner, I have 30 minutes. No matter what's gonna go on, oh, we're gonna eat in 30 minutes? Hold on, boom, and I do my 30 minutes of procrastination. I just think, what did I procrastinate on it? You know what, I was gonna read that article. Didn't do it, read the article. Ah, uh, you know what, I was gonna outline that new course. Didn't do it, outline the new course. You gotta schedule that 30 minutes before something. So what's it gonna be for you? Is it uh, 30 minutes before you brush your teeth, before your dinner, before you go out, before you watch television, before what? Some people will say, well, Brendan, could I do it after something? Can I do it after I drop off the kids? Can I do it after this? Yes, but we've found in behavioral studies that an after piggyback event is not implemented as much as a before piggyback event. And I think you probably experienced this in your own life. If you know that you have to get something done before an event, you're more likely to do it than if you say, well, after the event. Because what happens, you say, yeah, after I watch TV, then I'll do that thing I'm procrastinating on. No, you're gonna watch five more seasons of television. Oh, but you know, after I drop the kids off, that's right, I'm supposed to do these things. No, sometimes you don't. Tag it on before an event. This is the pre-event procrastination routine. What is it you're going to do every day to overcome procrastination? You're gonna block a schedule of time you only need 15 or 30 minutes. The big myth that we all have in our heads is that we need hours and hours to do something. The reality is we need little bits of time that we consistently do things to move our lives forward. And if you can say that from now on, I'm gonna take 15 minutes, 30 minutes before X habit that I usually do during the day, 
then you will start to find an unbelievable explosion in your progress in your life. See, I knew I would never deal with progress in my life or procrastination in my life unless I had a block time I was supposed to do it. So I set up random block times throughout the day. I didn't do it. But once I bumped it up to dinner, before dinner, I have 30 minutes to get stuff done. I became a SWAT team in my life. I hope that you enjoyed that idea. Number two, a book I'm reading right now and how I take notes. Book I'm reading right now is The Essential Writings of Ralph Waldo Emerson. I hope you've read it or that you've read a lot of Emerson in your life. If you haven't, this will be a life-changing day. He's one of the great influences of my life. One of the great influences in terms of tone, pacing, and style that I learned from uh, in studying a lot of rhetoric before I could write the Motivation Manifesto. Ralph Waldo Emerson's The Essential Writings. Here is how I read this book and all books. I think a lot of people struggle to um, tactically implement or benefit from the books that they read. They, they, they read a nonfiction book and they get a lot of ideas, but they never go back to the book and do anything with it. Or as they're reading, they're not integrating the lessons. So I've set up my own sort of approach to how I read a book. And since you, many of you guys know, I've re been reading a book a week at least, minimum, for 20 years this year. This is my 20th anniversary uh, this year of reading a book every single week. Here's what I do. I have a little code system when I'm reading. And I just have these letters that I write in the margins of the book that cues me on what I should do after the reading session. And so here's what I want you to think about this. First, when I go to sit down with the book, I consider a reading session. When I'm doing a reading session, I do not have my phone with me. It's very important. I have just the book and just a journal. There's no other distractions as much as possible. Not that I can always limit it with where I'm at or what's going on in my life or family, but I try to make sure that I approach reading as enjoyment time. That I approach reading like you did if you went to school, you went to high school or college, or you had that big paper that you'd have to go and kind of, like you knew you had to get serious, so you went to the library and you boxed off the world. That's how I approach reading still to this day. Even leisure reading, I approach as this is a reading session. And I set a time for how much I'm going to read. So am I going to read for 15 minutes now, for 20 minutes, for an hour? And I set that timer on my phone and put the phone over in another room or somewhere away off Wi-Fi so it's not going to buzz at me or do anything else. But I like to set a timer so I know that I have this time to read. So I can really enjoy it and know that I get to live in this time of reading. Then what I do is as I'm reading the book, I've just got a pen and I've got my journal. And I have all these codes. People have been asking my codes. I'll share them with you. If I write Q next to anything I underline, that means quote it. That means, at, and, and all these things are actionable. All these codes I have to read a book, they're all actionable. So what I do is, as I'm reading a book, I write these codes. At the end of the session, I flip back to the pages I've uh, read, and I implement any of these codes that I'm supposed to. So I never read a bunch of a book, underline it, put the book down, and go off and do something else and think, oh, well, when I finish the book, 
then I'm going to do this. Because how many books have you ever started that you didn't finish? So here's the codes. Q is for quote. That means I'm going to uh, open up that book again. I see I wrote quote. Okay. I type that quote into an Excel spreadsheet that I'll use later. And that's what you see in my Twitter feed or across the web uh, when I'm posting other people's quotes. I get them from my reading sessions. So Q is for quote. A is for article. If I underline something and I write A next to it, it means I want to write an article based on that, or I want to shoot a video on that, or do a blog post on it. I just write A for article. That means that's something that's a big, uh, big concept. It means it's something that could inspire my content in the future. A lot of you ask, Brennan, where do you come up with all your content? Most of my content comes from reading. So I'm reading something, I go, oh, that's a great topic. I want to write an article or do a blog post or a video on that. So that's A. B is for buy. And that means there's, maybe they recommend a book on it, or they're suggesting a product, or it makes me think of something to buy. So B is for buy. S is for share. And share doesn't mean just direct quote. Share means I'm going to, whatever I underline, that means I thought of somebody I could share that with. One of the reasons I think my learning is accelerated over some other people's is because when I learn something profound, I share it. So I literally copy and paste it or I'll type it out and I'll send that paragraph to 15 or 20 friends or 15 or 20 people in my industry. Say, hey guys, I'm reading this book, The Essential Writings of Ralph Waldo Emerson. I love this section. Check it out. And I'll send it to people. And inevitably, they'll write back, I love this part about it. And it starts my own little discussion group around things that I find powerful. It might also be, I'm going to share that online. Okay? So, and then the last one is M. And that means for, M stands for make or invent. If I'm reading something and they're discussing a problem, and I'll be like, I, I could solve that, or I know somebody could, and I'll write M or I, and that means make or invent a solution. Or if I come up with some amazing idea that I want to invent something, that will be written there too. So those are my main codes that I use in my margins when I'm writing uh, reading a book. Q for code, A for article, B for buy, okay. Um, let's see, S for share, and M or I for make or invent. Recap, when you read a book, decide how long you're gonna be reading. Have some kind of code that you can underline things and write yourself just one letter so it doesn't slow you down from the stream of thought of the book itself. And then after you finish your writing session, after your time runs out, immediately go back and implement your codes. If you're going to quote it, quote it. If you're going to share it, share it. If you're going to write an article on it, remind yourself to and set it up in your calendar to write an article on it. But don't leave a book without the action followed up immediately. Doesn't mean you need to write the whole article on it, but put it in your calendar tomorrow morning, 30 minutes, write this article based on this section. If you don't implement it, then what's happening is all this learning is kind of going in, all these great ideas are happening, but it keeps getting left behind book after book after book after book. Okay.
Number three, negative motivation. How and when to use it. First, let's talk about what negative motivation is. Uh, negative motivation is kind of, think about, um, think about it in this way, consequence planning. It's what's the negative consequence that would happen if I didn't do certain activity or follow a certain habit or reach a certain goal, right? And those are usually what it is, negative consequence that you set up if you don't do something you're supposed to do, implement a habit or reach a goal. Those are the kind of three ways to think about those consequences, okay? And there's three main negative consequences that you can set up for yourself. Number one, social embarrassment. Let's say you say you decide, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds this month. Well, how do you know if you should set up a negative motivation consequence? I always tell people, don't set any negative motivation until you've tried something with this positive reinforcement for yourself. So a lot of people advise set up a, a positive thing and a negative thing. I don't want a lot of the negativity or a lot of pain surrounding me in my life. I want to condition myself to do things for the reason of the payoff, for the reason of the contribution, for the reason of the pleasure, for the reason of making the difference. I've conditioned myself to do it for the positive benefits. So first, I'm going to say, okay, I have this goal I want to hit. I'm going to set up all these positive things that I could do. If I hit the goal, I get to go to this restaurant. If I hit the goal, I get to have this extra time. If I hit the goal, these positive things will happen for other people. And I get very clear on what's going to happen if I hit the goal. And if you've studied my work in High Performance Academy or the Achievement Accelerator, I spend a lot of time in positive visualization, not just imagining hitting the goal, but imagining myself overcoming the struggles on the way to the goal. And then after achieving it, I literally think about and sit and feel and sense the magic of having done it, the pride, the joy, the, the anticipation of it all. <clears throat> From there, I try and give myself a timeline. I say, okay, I'm gonna give myself three weeks to complete this. And I just set up in the calendar that that's my deadline. Three weeks to complete this. And I always try first on positive motivation. So the positive consequences, I just go for that. The only time I set up, or in my clients, I set up negative motivation is when they fail. So if you try for three weeks and it didn't work with just positive motivation, now set up a negative consequence and do it again. So if after the end of three weeks, I've tried something, it didn't work, I go, okay, clearly, I am a base, childish individual who needs some kind of reprimand. If, if I don't have the carrot, uh, if I have the carrot and it didn't work, I'm going to put the stick on. I'm going to put the stick on hard, and here we go. Let me set up something I'm not going to like. But I found in the last decade of my life, I haven't really struggled with that a lot. Now, I know some people do. So if you do, and you're going to set up a negative consequence, here's the three kinds of negative consequence. The first one is social embarrassment. This says, if I try something and I have positive consequences set up and I fail, okay, now I failed, now I need to set up a new timeline with a new consequence. Does that make sense? 
negative motivation you set up with a new timeline and a new consequence. So I say in you know four weeks, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds. At the end of the four weeks, after rah-rahing myself up, understanding the positive consequences, I fail, then I say, okay, I'm gonna set up a new timeline. I'm gonna give myself four more weeks. Now I'm gonna set up a negative consequence. And here's what it is. I'll start with the first type, social embarrassment. If at the end of four weeks, I do not lose that 10 pounds, then on that 30th day, I have to streak my neighborhood. That means run naked around my neighborhood. And what I will do is I will go onto each of my neighbor's houses. I will knock on all the doors. I'll say, hey, Bob, um, <clears throat> I'm trying to lose some weight this month. I've been trying, honestly, I just tried for 30 days, nothing happened. So um, on the 30th of this month at 6 p.m., on the 30th of this month at 6 p.m., if I didn't lose the 10 pounds, I'm gonna run around the block naked. It's gonna be awful. It's cold outside, you have a phone, this could be recorded, this might be really awful. But that's what I'm gonna do, okay? So I'll tell Bob and I'll go, it'll be so painful. I will go to every house in the neighborhood and I will tell them all on the 30th at 6 p.m. And you know what this starts? It starts a community effect that wants to see me fail. I have just set up my enemies. Now I've got the entire neighborhood all talking about in the grocery store, Bouchard's gonna run naked if he don't lose some weight. Now I know they're all thinking that. I know that they all want it to happen. And you know what? One of the main drivers that we all have is we want to know that we have the social prowess to hit our goals so we don't look foolish in front of other people. It's a very deep, heavy, human drive is not to look foolish in front of other people. In other words, I set myself up completely that I know psychologically I must do this. And notice the specificity here. I tell people, I tell them a date, I tell them a time, and I tell them the stupid thing that I'm gonna do. And I don't tell one person, I tell multiple people. Now, guess what I'm gonna be focused on that month? not have to run naked on the 30th at 6 p.m. in front of my neighbors who are all going to stand out there with the American flag and a bunch of, you know, Kool-Aid bottles watching to see if this kid actually has to do this. This is what I want you to think about. I know I'm teasing and, and having fun with you today, but I'm trying to make this fun. That's why I wear this ugly shirt for you. I really want you to think about how could you make negative motivation fun and silly, but you got to do it. Because you know what? In this situation, all my neighborhood, they're going to be watching me. They're gonna come up probably two or three times in the month and go, hey, uh, uh, hey dude, are you really gonna do this? Um, and they're never gonna ask. They're not gonna look at me and say, did you lose the weight? They're just gonna go, are you really gonna do it? You get 10 people saying you, to you all month, are you really gonna do that? And guess what? You just built in your social pressure to achieve your goal. So what negative, social embarrassing thing can you set up? Now again, I say that, only do that if you've tried to previously manage it on yourself with positive payoffs. Number two, a negative emotion that consequence you can set up is what we call task obligation. Task obligation. This means you need to do a negative task you don't want to do if you fail to achieve your goal in a given timeline. For example, well, uh, if I don't write that article by the 5th of this month, 
then I'm going to go out and clean the shed. Cleaning the shed might not sound serious to you, but I'm from Montana where there are farm animals and other animals that would live in the shed that I didn't want to deal with. So I thought about, I don't want to do that. But that's what's going in the calendar. It says in the calendar on the 5th, is article complete? If article is not complete, you clean the shed. Now, some people say, but you're not going to stick to that. I tell people, my family, my wife, I tell people, if I'm on the 5th, I don't get the article done. I got to clean the shed. And I tell enough people that, that uh, you might think that's so silly. He's clean the shed. Whatever your consequences, it's always silly. The consequences you set up for yourself, they're always silly, aren't they? You don't have to do them. But knowing that you set them up, putting them in a calendar, being specific about it and sharing it with people, it makes it real. And why is that important? Because you finally thought about it. Your life right now is a real indication of the consequences you've thought about in your life. If you've never sat and done the work of thinking about the consequences of your actions before, then you're probably unhappy with your life right now. I say that respectfully because I've been there at a point in my life where I wasn't thinking about the consequences and the momentum I was creating in my life as a person, as a character, as a business person. I wasn't thinking about it. And many people have never been trained on a consistent basis to think of the consequences of their actions, of how they're treating people, of what they're doing day in and day out. So setting them up for your goals starts to condition you. Even if you think, oh, cleaning the shed, that's stupid. He doesn't have to clean the shed. It doesn't even matter. It's thinking about the consequence. It's having it in the calendar. These start to make you a more productive and effective person. Thinking about consequences, having a calendar, being specific. If you just develop those skills, consequence, calendar, something specific to do, this, this year would be amazing for you. But most people aren't doing that. Task, obligation. If you don't hit your goal, what horrible thing will you make yourself do as a task that you do not want to do? That's number two. The third area of negative motivation is called personal deprivation. This sounds really serious, doesn't it? Deprivation. It means, you know, let's say if you don't hit your goal, no more wine for two months. Try that one on for size. How painful would that be? No wine for two months. Hey, what about this one? No chocolate for two months. No dessert for two months. Oh, no shopping for six weeks. Whatever it is for you, it's something that you love to do that now you're going to deprave yourself from because you didn't hit the goal on a specific timeline. Remember, specific goal, specific timeline, specific consequence. And here's what I have to share with you. If you are one of those people who goes, yeah, 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 I get it. Consequences, yeah, 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 yeah. And you conceptually understand it. That's good. But common sense isn't always common practice. So here's my real question for you high performers. And I really want you to tune in and listen, please. If I came to your house today and we opened up your laptop and we looked at your schedule, your actual calendar, and we opened up a week from now, we opened up two weeks from now, three weeks from now, and four weeks from now. Are there any goals that are specific in that calendar with a timeline and a consequence built into the calendar? 
if it's not there, you can't, yeah, 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 Brendan, I get it. If it's not there and it's not there consistently and it hasn't been there consistently in your life, this is your next level. For a lot of people, really getting to another level of success and achievement in their life is getting them to start working a calendar, working specified plans. Because it's so easy, especially if you're like me, an entrepreneur, you don't have to do that. Like you could just wing it and maybe you have been winging it. But here's what we know from the world's highest performing athletes or the most disciplined, high-performing executives. They've got a calendar. It's managed exceptionally well for themselves. It doesn't have to be on their team calendar. There's a million things on my personal calendar that are not on my team calendar. But having those in my personal calendar, it keeps me focused. And I have to share with you, if it's not written down, if it's not in a real calendar that has reminders set up for it, then it's not real. You don't have a schedule yet, and you're winging it too often, and you can't get to higher levels of effectiveness, efficiency, or even flow if you're constantly winging it. So your job to become more disciplined and effective this year is to have a higher level of specificity of your goal, your timeline, your consequences, set up in a calendar with reminders. If you didn't know, when you set up your calendar, you can set up automated reminders that go out to you. I have reminders that go out to me uh, from anywhere from 72 hours to 48 hours to 24 hours to two hours that ping and remind me to hit that goal and that task. That's why I'm able to release, as an example, content every week. It's why I'm able, as an example, to create content every week. Because it just, it says to do it in this little box. And this little box is much more smart than this box, right? This box keeps me organized. This one keeps me free and creative. But if these two aren't working together, I'm a hot mess. And I know you are too, no matter how much you love spontaneity and freedom and creativity, this and scheduling is your next level. I hope I beat that one enough for you guys. Negative motivation, institute it after you have failed. Set up a timeline, set up a schedule and specificity of consequences, you'll be rocking. Two more big topics. Complainers, negative Nellies. Is that what they call it? Neg Nellies? Oh, well, I wonder what a Nellie is. Is it a person? Was Nellie a historical figure that was so negative that she still survives this day and people criticize others on that? Number one, decide what's important. What's going to be important right now at this stage of your life? I mean, what is it? Is it for you what's challenging, what's frustrating? Um, What's important is listening to other people and letting other people push you around, boss you around, make you feel bad. Are you somebody at this point in your life going to decide what's really important to you is your own personal energy and you're going to learn to generate that or keep relying on other people? I, I often get, mm, I would say I get a little bit of criticism for the way I talk about this because... When people say to me, often in live or on television, they've asked me this before, Brendan, how do you deal with doubters and complainers and 
you know, um, negative Nellies because they can just suck the energy right out of you, right? I go, no, they can't. And that's the end of the conversation. I don't have a lot more to contribute to it that, than that. And I don't mean that to be flippant, but if you are still allowing the people around you to control your energy, it is time to get deeper into your studies of psychology and personal development. And I say that respectfully because I know some people, you have a, a negative spouse or you have a negative neighbor or a negative person at work, and it's easy to blame them. It's easy to play victim, especially around assholes. I know, right? It's easy to say, oh, well, this asshole makes me feel this way. No one, no one gives you permission to feel anything but yourself. I know that's really hard to accept when you got negative people, but Eleanor Roosevelt said it. No one can make you feel any way but the way you decide that you're going to feel. And it's very important to realize that and to condition yourself not to get thrown up, not to get tossed into other people's pools of pessimism. You know, because look, I, I can't ever give the solid answer that, oh, you don't have to worry about. Look, there's always going to be doubters. There's always going to be critics. There's always going to be people around you who are negative. And here's what I say. So what? Your job is not to turn them to make them magical Pollyanna people skipping through a field of roses. They're probably that way. They've probably been conditioned that way. They're probably going to be that way for years. So why even attempt to deal with anything related to them except how you are allowing yourself to deal with that? Because here's the thing. You're the one allowing yourself to feel the way you do. You're the one conditioning yourself. You're the one triggering yourself. Have you ever been with two people and you saw one person say some, something just completely benign and, and didn't, had an, didn't have an emotional hook or they weren't being mean and the other person blew up at it? And you're like, what happened there? It didn't mean anything to you, but this person made it mean something big and they blew up and they went on a tirade about it. Well, in that experience, you see the power of emotional control. You saw the same thing. They took it and they went level five anger. I learned very young that I didn't like anger. I saw it all the time around me, all the time. I grew up in a town where if somebody didn't like something about you or something you said, it wasn't a, a, a conflict of words. It was a fight, a duel. It was literally went to fists. I grew up fighting all until I was probably 22 years old, constantly in fights, physical fights. That's why I developed so much of a skill in martial arts because I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I want to be better at this. But it was constant. I grew up around such a culture of people who wanted to fight all the time that I was like, I don't want to, I'm going to learn not to let people get me angry that I would get into fights. I decided the anger, if I was letting anger win, I was a lesser person. If I let somebody's negativity win, I was a lesser person. I did it in a very stoic way that said, you know what? These people are presented to me as a challenge to my character. Will I rise above it or will I sink to their level? And I think that's first and foremost. What's important is for you to get a grasp of your own attitude, your own energy. And how important is that this year? Look, I know you guys, you're, you're going to go for big things this year. There's going to be a lot of people who are th going to think you're crazy. And they've prob you've probably already encountered a lot of people who, who saw your news resolutions and they're making fun of you. They're saying negative things. And all I can share with you is this. It is vital that you decide to start generating the emotional energy and experience you want of life. And never, never 
be a victim to other people's energy. I always recognize, I go, oh, there's the energy. And then I say, oh, and here's a trigger in my mind. It wants to go over there. It wants to please, it wants to placate, it wants to join them. No. Now, people immediately say, well, Brendan, what if they get mad at you for not being in their energy? They don't like that you're positive. They make fun of you, they're mad. So what? Because look, someone's not gonna like someone in that situation. Either they're not gonna like you for you being who you are, or you aren't gonna like yourself and you're not gonna like them for conforming to their energy. It is a lose-lose situation. The only way out of it is above it. And above it is you maintaining your emotional energy despite it all. It's what Viktor Frankl taught us in Man's Search for Meaning. The last of human freedoms is the ability to control one's own attitude. How magical is that? It's up to you. Now, for those who are still going, yeah, 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 but you don't understand my spouse, let me talk to you real quickly. One, watch this recording again and start to own the reality that you're in charge of your emotions. You're in charge of how you feel. You gotta own that. Doubters, complainers, don't give them time. Don't give them credit. Don't give them the ability or the permission to knock you off your path. Second, make it a game. I love making a game. It's a game to me. People's energy is a game to me. I look at it and I go, huh, I wonder if I cannot get pulled into this. If I don't get into pulled this, I get some points. And then I also think in those circumstances where everybody's negative and it all looks like it's gonna fall apart, I make it a game, I go, I wonder if I could turn this around. I don't try to turn people around because I feel superior or it's an obligation in any way whatsoever. I try to make a positive effect because I think that's part of our mission in the world is to make more positive energy and to generate that energy that brings more joy or, or peace, satisfaction, fulfillment in other people's lives. We're not responsible for other people's lives, but we can influence them. And as soon as you say, I'm not responsible for their energy, it gives you freedom. You are not responsible for the hot mess of other people's lives. The day that you own that, you're like, ah, life is so good. I'm not responsible for other people's energy, but I do have the opportunity to influence it. And now you are free to approach it as a game like I do. So what's my favorite games is if I'm sitting down with somebody who's constantly complaining and, and negative, I just take it as a test. I'm like, I wonder if I can get them laughing. I wonder if I can get them talking about something positive without judging them, without criticizing them. Just try and turn that conversation. That's what I try to do. So it's like a game to me. And then I'll finally say this. The third thing you can do with doubters and complainers, if you just can't get yourself away from that victim mentality, you're always being brought in. If you don't want to take on the responsibility but, or even the opportunity to influence the our energy, Third piece, if it's constant and it's constant and it's constant, it's time for you to put your foot down, look a person in the face and say, look, I really want to be around you. I think you're great. But what I've noticed is you have this pattern of constantly complaining. And you know what? I think you actually have the right to. I think there's a lot of things going on in your life. I get it. It's a struggle. But you know what? If you keep talking about all the things in such a negative way, 
you're generating a negative energy for yourself and for me. Now, if you want to do that for yourself, that's cool. But I just want you to know, I can't be part of negative conversations all the time. And I do everything I can to avoid those things. But in that process, I don't want to avoid you because I like you. So either we need to change our communication pattern here and talk about positive things or things that we can do in a better way, or I need to limit our conversations. I don't want to do that, but I'm going to let you know my energy is important to me enough that I would. And I can share with you, I've probably said that to seven or eight people in my life. I would say that three of them reacted very poorly and I limited my exposure to them. The other four were like, I do? What do you mean? Do you make, I make you feel bad? And sometimes people just don't realize how much they bitch and moan and complain. And you just have to say it subtly and directly at the same time. Subtly in a way that you're not judging them. But directly in telling them, you'll have to limit the exposure to it. I hope that makes sense. Watch this recording again. If it didn't, write down what I said. I hope it will serve you in that process. Okay. some very simple ways to improve your mood this year. If you do find yourself getting sucked into these negative moments, these negative feelings, here's some very simple things that I hope will serve you. One, two, three, four. I'm going to give you five ways to quickly improve your mood that will also help you overcome the stress and the overwhelm that might come with seeking to achieve higher things in your life. Okay. Very simple ones. They all start with M, so there's a simple uh, mnemonic here, I guess we call it, or an acronym. Uh, I can't remember what they call that. Number one, movement. If you're constantly in a bad mood, you probably need to go blow that out by doing some movement. Join a yoga class, do your stretches in the morning, your stretches at night, like we teach at High Performance Academy, or you'll learn. Um, get onto a better exercise routine. Make sure that you're sort of blowing out the gas of stress, and the only way to do that is through movement. There is nothing more proven in psychology to improve mood than physical exercise. Nothing, nothing. Physical exercise outside of severe disorders has been proven to improve mood as much as substances and some psychedelics and lots of other, um, I guess you would call it substances and other ways to deal with things, including psychiatric drugs. So for those of you who are not on a consistent plan to exercise, get on one. It'll be the best gift you've ever given yourself, ever. HPAers, do your two-by-twos. If you don't know what that is, you'll learn it at High Performance Academy or you'll learn it in the High Performance Academy Master's course in the physiology section. Do your two-by-twos, it will help. Make sure that you are getting outside at least for a walk every other day. Just go outside, 30-minute walk, just go outside. It will help you so much. Get some fresh air and move. Walk quickly. Number two, mood improver, music. I am stunned how many people's houses I go into and there's no music playing. I'm stunned into how many people work without any music. And it's okay. I do a lot of writing without music. But in general, they've proven that an ambiance can improve mood, as you know. Because think about it, you're gonna wine and dine your lady, you're gonna do something romantic, what do you do? You think about the music, right? Well, your work should be a love affair. Your art should be a love affair. 
set the tone, set the music. Everybody should have an awesome playlist on their phone today. There's no excuse. If you don't, spend an hour today on iTunes. Go find your favorite movies or your favorite music. Download it. Listen to it as you work out if you want to or as you read or you work. But set the mood with music. Here's what I do. There's days that for whatever reason, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, as they say. My morning routine gets rid of that. But if during the middle of the day, I have a struggle where I'm just like, ugh, I get up a call. Two days ago, I got up a horrible phone call. And I was just like, ugh. And I was letting the energy come in. I was like, okay, I better move. I went, I got my phone, I put on my favorite playlist, put it on, I walked around the block five times, I cranked up that music, and I mean, I was rocking, pour some sugar on me. I mean, the worst music you ever heard your whole life. And tell you what, I felt amazing by the time I hit my door, and I got back at it. Music. Number three, meditation. If you're not doing the release meditation technique yet, try it. Just check it out on YouTube. A million people have learned to meditate from me now. I never thought that would be the case. I'm honored and thrilled by that. That's a million that we know of. Try your meditations. Take 10, 20 minutes every day or twice a day and just do a meditation. No matter what form of meditation, practice it. Number one, two, three, four. Mindful anticipation can change a mood. If you know my morning routine, in the shower, one of the questions I ask myself is, what can I be excited about today? And if my mind doesn't come up with any ideas, I invent the ideas. But to change a mood, you need something to look forward to. So think about a way that you could demonstrate appreciation or do something nice for somebody, or even prank somebody. But to get your mood changed, sometimes you need to have something to be enthusiastic about. So you need to generate that mindful anticipation. Think about what can I be excited about today, the next moments, the next uh, few days. And then the last, this is a bonus one. Uh, I have no better word for this, but sometimes to improve your mood, you need, I just couldn't come up with an M word, Travis, so this is, don't take this personally, but you need to hang out with some morons. You know, some people are so serious. If you look at my friends, I would, they're not morons. I was just trying to, trying to I don't know that, but fun people. You need your community. You need your people. You need your tribe. You got to have some fun people. If you don't have them, it's time. And people all say, well, Brenda, I don't have any fun people in my life. I go, you know what? Here, let me solve that real quick. Go volunteer. Sign up, go volunteer somewhere. When you volunteer, you meet the most alive, generous, giving, thoughtful, fun, kind people. If your network sucks right now, go volunteer. Your network will get better. And all I can share with you is what I do is when my mood sucks, I call my friends. When my mood sucks, it's like, let's go do something. And I get around people who are fun, and that fun changes the game for me. So that's my ways to improve mood. I know this has been great. Thank you all. I want to uh, honor you for being here again. I love having you as part of this community. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate you here being with us for the hour and all of your comments and chats and engagement with the community. Go out there every single day of this year. Know that this year can be whatever you decide to make it of. And as always, go out and live fully, love openly, make your difference today. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Goodbye. All right, my friend, I hope that you enjoyed that best of episode. Was that inspiring? Were you fired up? Did you love it? If you did, make sure you do me a favor. 
go out on social media somewhere and share that episode. You know, just go out, post it somewhere, post yourself listening to it. Make sure you hashtag The Brendan Show because when you do that, I can look you up and we can find you on Instagram and post that on the social media. And sometimes we do all expense paid trips to people we find. We just randomly select people. We send them gifts, autograph books, swag, t-shirts, all expense paid trips to some of my seminars. So make sure you, you let us know. Share what you thought about this episode out there on the social media worlds and then we can find you and celebrate you. And also, I would love to invite you to join us in our High Performance Monthly program. So just go to brendan.com forward slash monthly. That's brendan.com forward slash monthly. That's where we do deeper dive trainings like you just heard, but we do that every single month and there's some live Q&A there, and I do some giveaways, and we give students in that monthly program tickets to my seminars and some extra special training on leadership. So make sure to check it out at brendan.com forward slash monthly. I appreciate you being part of this community of so many people dedicated to finding that deeper drive of motivation and practicing high performance habits so that they can become extraordinary in their careers, in your personal life, in your health. You can live an extraordinary quality of life, and sometimes you just need a little bit more training and a little bit more nudge, a little bit more energy, a little bit more drive and consistency. And I'm hoping that being part of this community with The Brendan Show, I'm providing that to you in some way. So thank you, my friend, for listening. I look forward to seeing you or listening with you on the next episode of The B-R-E-N-D-O-N Show. Hey, are you on my text list? Did you know if you're in the U.S., you can text me at 1-503-212-6125. I actually have that text number on my Instagram account bio as well, if you want to go check it out. It's just 503-212-6125. Literally just text me and say, hey, Brendan. Or text me and say anything you want to say. If you want me to see it, just text me there. It's 503-212-6125. And it's my exclusive text list. And if you're not on it, it's where I share some of my most popular episodes. Or if I drop a new YouTube, I send it your way. Or if I have some kind of free thing going on the internet, I give that exclusive link out to that group. So just go there and text me. 503-212-6125. It's kind of cool. It's back and forth. This is my community text number. So tons of my community share, you know, insights about what they're learning from me or just want to chat back and forth. And I'm in there. My team's in there. We really just try to engage you on a different platform. It's super fun. And again, anytime I have something special going out, this is the first group to know about it. So just go text me at 503-212-6125. Hey, it's Brendan from the studio here. I want to jump in one more time and tell you about one of our partners, and that is Kajabi. If you've ever seen any of my marketing online or you have gotten an email from me or you've just admired kind of what we built by selling, you know, 20 plus blockbuster online courses or where I go live in my membership areas or how I accept money online now well over $100 million over the years. How do I do all that? I've always used Kajabi. It's spelled K-A-J-A-B-I. And Kajabi just helps online entrepreneurs take flight. 
because we all have to do the same thing, right? We have to figure out, okay, how do I build a web page? How do I capture emails and send emails and funnels and uh, newsletters? How do I put content up that's for free, but also content up that's behind a paywall that I can charge money for? How do I build those membership sites? How do I organize my podcast or my blog? How do I accept money and create checkouts and order bumps and one-click upsells? How does all of that actually work? You know, if you're a life coach, how do you actually talk to a client and connect with them and schedule with them and serve them and give them a member's portal area? If you're teaching online courses, how do you actually put up the course and set up automations to sell the course and to trigger things like an email to go out when they successfully complete one of your modules? Kajabi does all of that. You even get templates that I helped build and I personally wrote to help you write even better emails to your audience. That's at kajabi.com, K-A-J-A-B-I.com. If you wanted the system that most of us in the thought leader or the expert economy really use and we've relied on for years, go to kajabi.com. Hey, I wanted to hop in here and share with you my love for community.com. Every major celebrity uses this. U.S. presidents use this. The biggest companies in the world use this. They give you a 10-digit phone number, but it's kind of like having an inbox for your texting. You can segment it to people um, and they can reply back. And it's just really cool because you can also send video and you can send audio. And it's so beautiful of a design that it's really easy to figure out. You know, I don't like all those other systems that send out like some weird little code that you just know is like a promotion. The reason they called it community.com is because they really believe you have to have a text community in the modern area. Texting adds a whole other level. People open up their texts way more. It's way more, you know, effective as a promotional vehicle. And it's something that I deeply, deeply believe in. In fact, I invested in them and I've advised the senior team. I'm telling you what, my audience loves it. It's increased the engagement across everything I do. And you can get a free demo when you go to community.com. Just like it sounds, community.com. Check it out.